He distinctly said to blave. Welcome back, listener. It's Hard Men to Please, episode 32. I'm Jared, and with me are Ethan and Kuji, and today we're talking about The Princess Bride. Woo! It's an Asterixar takeover. It is, because we're doing an Asterixar style. We're going to go through the movie scene by scene, because... Yeah. yeah. Uh, we're just so fucking sick of the Oscars and like movies that make you think. Mm-hmm. It's nice to sit down, watch a movie you've seen 40 times, and then dig in with it. Yeah, if you're cool, but, you've seen it 40 times. I don't know about that. Yeah, but unfortunately, Kuji ain't seen it even once. Well, when we brought this up, I was talking about how the, probably the only listener of the podcast that's not appeared on the podcast um, has never seen The Princess Bride. He only saw it recently, and it was really disappointing. And I was like, oh. Well, that'd be funny if Kuji saw it and uh, also found it really disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll find out. Well, that's yet to be determined. I did. I want to make a correction. <clears throat> um, I did see it like half a time because my economics teacher in high school was like a piece mm. of shit and he wanted to do his fantasy baseball instead of like teach us. So he just put on Princess Bride every time. <laughs> But usually I just left. Wait, <laughs> so you've seen like the first half of the movie like 40 times? I've just seen like random bit. I don't think he even like cared. I think he just like put on like whatever part. I feel like I, I was going to say like he didn't rewind it, but I don't know if it was still VHS's then. I don't know. He just didn't care. Neither did I. <laughs> so you've seen a bit of it, but like while you were talking to friends in economics class. I The only one I really remember is is uh the Wallace Shawn... Uh, Drinking the poison thing. I like about it. Classic scene. Mostly because I heard his voice and I'm like, I gotta listen to this now because I love his voice. <laughs> yeah, everyone turn around, look at this guy. Yeah. Oh, because he's uh he's the T Rex in Toy Story, right? So did you recognize him? I did. That he he feel like he's a character actor in a lot of stuff, isn't he? Uh, he's, yeah, uh, I don't know. He plays the little wiener boss. He's in, um, no, in uh, Incredibles, right? Yeah, that's true. He's, he's also boss. clueless though. Oh, yeah. He plays like kind of normal guy in Clueless. Yeah, he's just like a teacher. The kind of teacher who wouldn't just put on a a movie (laughs) while he plays fantasy baseball. So speaking of the Oscars, Uh uh, just I guess to recap, I was right. You're gonzo for the Oscars. No one even brought him up. Yeah, last (laughs) Mm -hmm. night the Oscars happened. Yeah, last night. A sight to behold. We all watched it. I watched it. Did you guys even watch it? No, I was at a friend's house. Wait, could mm-hmm. we, is it watchable? I didn't even know that. I thought, like, <laughs> he, like, read it or something. I don't know. What? Listen, yeah. listen to it on my it's radio. Not televised. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, it's not watchable in the in the way that it's pretty freaking boring. It's, like, four hours With long. Jimmy Kimmel. I heard Jimmy Kimmel made a lot of uh, vaguely racist jokes by making fun of, like, all the ethnic people's, like, names. Uh yeah, he he was picking on Maharshala, who won best male supporting actor. Uh and people got mad about that. He's uh Jimmy Kimmel. He's like I don't know. I want him to be better than he is. <laughs> Alright, fuck the Oscars. Let's just yeah, move on to the movie we like. And no one even likes him. Yeah, that's why we're watching him. a movie didn't win anything. Ever? Uh probably not. Uh it's, it's one of those cult favorites. 
It actually did win Best Original Song. Oh, no, I'm sorry. It was, yeah. it was nominated. I'm sorry. Nominated. It was nominated. Mark Knopfler from uh, Dire Straits. Yeah. Uh, speaking of, do you guys ever listen to those old-ass, like, pre-internet um, prank calls that where the guy always went by the name Mark Knopfler? <laughs> Can't Did, say that. Did recall. Probably. I don't I, think I ever It's, like, from that. the 70s or something. It was, like, the most bootleg, like, uh, prank call set tapes or whatever. And he always went by Mark Knopfler. And I remember one of them... I thought it was so funny because he calls this guy about some woman who he says, oh, hey, is, you know, is Linda there? He's like, oh, yeah, this, no, she's not here. Who's this? He's like, oh, this, what's her name? Linda said to meet her tonight. We were going to hang out. I'm really excited about it. And uh, the guy on the phone is, is uh, her husband. And so there's this whole altercation where uh, he treats it like the woman was cheating on him. And then he turns the tables on him. He's like, don't you set your hands on Linda. She's my girl. He's like, what? She's married to me, man. I can't touch my own wife. <laughs> I think I remember that one. Yeah, probably got that lady in a bit of a domestic, but, you know, it was funny at the time. <laughs> a bit of a domestic. It's <laughs> one way to put it. Uh, anyway, The Good-Ass Princess Bride, one of the best movies uh, ever made, I think. Uh, yeah. I mean, maybe not in, like, quality, <laughs> but in just like, lovability. I mean, it didn't, everything. it didn't eventually cause some guy to kill his wife like that other thing. So that's good. <laughs> that's true. It didn't cause so, anyone to try to shoot the president like Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. It's got a completely clean record in that way. I always thought this movie was directed by uh, Christopher Guest, but it was actually good old Rob Reiner. Yeah. His crowning achievement. <laughs> by William Goldman, based on the book by William Goldman. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, dude, this cast. Fred Savage as the Blowing grandson. Mm-hmm. Fucking Columbo, Columbo. Peter yeah. Falk. Mm-hmm. As a grandpa, Carrie Ilwes, Ilwes, Wesley, his career kind of stalled after a while. Hey, Uh, Robin Wright, pre Forrest Gump as Buttercup. This is her first role, right? Like introducing. Yeah, it was introducing, introducing Robin Wright. She wasn't even Robin Wright Penn at that point. Mm -hmm. She didn't get penned Uh, yet. (laughs) uh, Chris Sarandon. The only other thing I know him in is uh, Nightmare Before Christmas as the Pumpkinhead. Yeah, I had to look that up. I did not know that. Good for yeah, him. he's Prince Humperdinck, good ass Christopher Guest as Count Seth Rogen. Uh, Wallace Shawn as Vizini, Mandy Patinkin as fucking Inigo Montoya, which is one of the Inigo. best character names in Inigo. The film. Uh, Indigo. Yeah, I said Inigo. Inigo. You keep Inigo. You keep saying. Well, I'm not Spanish, so I'm not gonna pronounce Inigo. it that way. You're, just, you're switching the letters. It's different. <laughs> <laughs> you're saying the wrong thing. <laughs> well, I'm not Spanish. Whatever. <laughs> not Spanish, I don't have to say it right <laughs> Moving on uh, Andre the Giant Which is so thrilling to see as a child um, Yep so I loved great. him in this movie Just the fact that he's in the movie I used to watch wrestling as a kid And he just the, the largeness of the man Was just so <laughs> So pleasant So wonderful Yeah, he was a real Man, he was a, he was a wonder a, He was a real man right <laughs> The eighth wonder. <laughs> yeah, what a man. <laughs> the eighth wonder of the world. And then you got like this bit part by Billy Crystal as Miracle Max and Carol Kane as Valerie. Mm-hmm. Probably my favorite right. part of the movie. And Peter Cook and wait, as the goofy uh, minister. Oh, yeah, the uh, the impressive clergyman. <laughs> I keep forgetting little parts of the movie like that. Like, I always forget Miracle Max is even in the movie. And then when they get to him, I'm so delighted. And then, yeah, the... 
the clergyman with the weird speaking hey, voice. Wait, can I ask you something about that? Yeah. Yeah. So he's doing he's doing a voice that seems kind of cruel to people with like speech impediments, but that same joke <laughs> is used in the Big Bang Theory. They have an actor who does the same thing. I don't like that. Cannot be cool. Wait, like like a recurring role? Yes, he's like a he's a, he's like the antagonist to whatever the main guy is. Uh, whatever. Lester probably Clemens. Lester. I don't know what his name is, but he <laughs> it's his antagonist because they're like both like nerdy dudes in a school or whatever, and one has a speech impediment. One, well, he has autism pretty much in the show. I'm pretty sure that's a thing. I don't know. Yeah. I just feel like is that <laughs> it's on the spectrum? Can you make fun of those? Th- can you make fun of a speech impediment like that? Like that seems like really cruel. Um, you know, I was gonna say in in this movie, I think it's a, a good use of um taking a scene and like making it funny, even though there's nothing really funny in the scene. Like the dialogue mm-hmm. isn't funny, but uh, that's definitely also true. <laughs> All right, that was just me. I mean, it's it's an old movie. It's like from '87, so you used to you could make fun of like the mentally challenged by doing that like. And like slapping your chest with like a limp wrist. That's true. Yeah, and all all that'll get you today is a presidency. Hey, whoa! Times have changed. I was also kind of surprised they didn't make any like outlandish gay jokes because I'm used to that in that kind of like (laughs) era of movie making. Especially with how many uh, buccaneers are in this puppy shirts. (laughs) Yeah, so many swashbuckling. I'm surprised. I mean, it's yeah, 87, and it's not like that old, but it it holds up. You know, I was watching uh, I was watching Forty Year Old Virgin the other day, and it it kind of doesn't age very well because there are a lot of gay jokes in it. Yeah, because well, because the difference is that was trying to be like an edgy movie. Yeah, nothing edgier than making fun of gay people. <laughs> yeah, <in> two thousand four. <laughs> yeah, so brave. Uh, whereas this was, I mean, this was kind of like the the it was almost like a pre Shrek because it was like a subversive fantasy story. Yeah. So, I mean, the recurring joke in this movie is just that everyone's, like, really polite to each other, even though they're supposed to be adversaries. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, the recurring joke is just how it's, like, a, you know, a fantasy love story adventure, but it's all just, like, all the characters are, like, slightly goofy, but not, like, too goofy. Yeah, not over the top, but, I mean, very, very Christopher Guest-like, which is kind of why I assumed he had directed it initially. And yeah. I'll probably forget again and once again think that he directed <laughs> it like later on. I could see that. It's just like a, a very like like almost an unintentional humor. Yeah. So, I mean, the question has to be asked though, Kuji, uh your first full viewing of it, I mean, what do you what do you think? Mm. Um I mean, I get a lot of like weird cultural references now that I didn't really understand before. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, welcome. Obviously, I really like... Like, the cast was great. I mean, I think my favorite part is the Billy Crystal part. I feel like it... Again, <laughs> it seemed a little weird. It seemed a little anti-Semitic, but whatever. And... Because <laughs> um, they made him look like a goblin. He's just okay, he's kind of doing that voice. He's, yeah. He's kind of Jewish. He's the... Yeah, the he makes up like that, on Earth. the mutton sandwich joke. <laughs> that was my favorite joke of the entire movie. Oh my god! <laughs> See, if he was a main character, I'd like it more. I, I thought it was good. I didn't. I, which I don't think I ever understand, why they framed it like having Fred Savage be a little like. I feel like he was faking being sick, and then his grandpa came over <laughs> somehow, and he was inconsiderate and like 
I don't want to talk to grandpa. I'm sick. And then his grandpa was like, I want to read your story. And another trope that I don't understand. You know, I'm just going to go right into going it scene by scene. It opens and his grandpa comes in like, in my day, we had books. That's what we call television. And I hate when people say that because it's not, it's not true. It's not the same thing. That's like if I said, we have the internet. That's what they used to call television. No, it's, it's just very different mediums. <laughs> I mean, you yeah. wouldn't say that for Netflix. I would say that. I would say, like, when, my, when I was a kid, we had TV, and that's what Netflix Yeah, but was. we still have books. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. And television. Yeah, but no one watches TV anymore, like, with full commercials. No one watches the Oscars. We, we just established that. <laughs> I watched them. Yeah, but I think the, the comparison of a book to television is stupid, and I agree, Kuji. All right. Well, that's fine. I think the reason is the, the it was the adaptation, the initial idea in, in the movie they mentioned it, the book, The Princess Bride, is written by like S. Morgenstern, because yeah. the original novel was written as kind of a kooky. Um, William Goldman said that, or he wrote it as if it was like the abridged version of a larger book mm-hmm. that he like found, and so he kind of put his own like little asides and everything, and he was kind of cut, cutting stuff, and I think that the grandpa and child uh, framing device is kind of used to achieve that same goal. So you can kind of cut in and out of just the good parts. Um, but it's mm-hmm. sweet. I kind of liked them constantly cutting in and out. I thought it, it you know, it gave it a neat, uh, it kind of further um, dislodged it from like being a, a normal fantasy story. Yeah. It gave it almost like a uh, never ending story kind of feel. Like, think, grounding a fantasy story in, in, like, present-day reality. I think it also, like, took the... Let you enjoy it more, because it took the stakes out of it, because you knew it was just a story. Like... Yeah, maybe. True. Not in, like, uh, a bad Ethan, way. I don't know about you, but, f- like, for me, like, watching this again, it was actually really hard to even, like, think of anything to say, because I feel like this movie could run in the back of my head, kind of, any <laughs> at any day. Mm-hmm. So... Like, we did Spider-Man 2, which I probably had seen, like, five times by the time we did that. Whereas this movie, I've probably really seen about 20 times. And it's definitely, like, to Kuji's point, it definitely had, like, a Christmas story, like, mm-hmm. memification over the past, like, five or ten years. Where now, it's not like, you know, it's not a movie anymore. Now it's, like, a big kind of cultural uh, yeah. touchstone. Yep. Which is kind of annoying, but... <laughs> well, yeah, because it... Like that and Christmas Story, we both kind of watched growing up, not knowing how popular I guess it was because we're you know kids and not yeah pre internet. We're reading books, guys. Well, uh, it was also pre them doing it for like twenty four times, like or twenty four hours of it before Christmas. Oh yeah, the Christmas story. Yeah, so yeah, it is kind of weird. It's like oh, this is like you know part of me and part of my story, but then it's like oh wait, this is everyone watches this movie. I'm not original. <laughs> Yeah. Well, so. let's go through it, see if it holds up as a movie. Um, like Kuji said, it starts in uh, Chicago, boy's sick, he's playing some fucking terrible, like, ColecoVision baseball game, gets a visit from his grandpa, who he hates, and uh, his grandpa's <laughs> Columbo. <laughs> yeah, a, yeah, fuck you, Fred Sandwich, your, your dad's Columbo. <laughs> yeah, the... He asks him if there's any sports in the book, and he says, yeah. And then he says there's fencing, fighting, torture, revenge, giants, monsters, chases, escapes, true love, miracles. Uh, Mm -hmm. And only one of those is a sport. (laughs) 
yeah, true I, love. I feel like they pushed him to be like sports are cool like so many times and i'm like i don't care about this Let's yeah you have that poster of the fridge on his wall no, i love that <laughs> it was signed it was autographed <laughs> and he's wearing a bears jersey too the kid's like obsessed with sports get over it yeah it was like the 80s were like i guess because the bears like won the super bowl but it felt like it was a big and like i guess just john hughes but it was like a big like decade for chicago yeah yeah they love their sports there the story itself is, you know, we meet Wesley and Buttercup on a farm in the middle of, like, a fantasy land. And the story is that she gets off on, like, bossing around her house slave. <laughs> and then they realize they love each other because of the magic phrase, as you wish. Which, when they I... They realize they love each other because they're both hot. <laughs> yeah. They both uh, basically look the same, just one's a female and one's male. <laughs> like, the same person. <laughs> At this point, I wrote my note down, Coochie is going to hate this movie because it just seems like so hokey that like, like she realized that as you wish, man, I love you. And I was like, mm, that, okay. Mm. Well, that's what's funny. I thought that's why the kid hates it too. So you well, think Coochie's a child. Well, the kid Coochie's hates it child. because uh, they're, they're, they're kissing. Yeah. <laughs> like, hold on. What is this? Is this a kissing book? Yeah. What is a kissing what, book? Yeah. That's just porno, isn't it? I don't know what's a kissing <laughs> book. <laughs> also i've read a lot of books probably but like i don't remember a lot of like deep descriptions of kissing i feel like it doesn't Maybe he got into like his mom's romance novels <laughs> uh anyway plot kicks off because wesley goes to find his fortune he gets murdered by pirates which the kid loves he's into the book now yeah wait well I was confused. What was the whole thing? Why did he leave? He just went to find his he's fortune. Poor. He's trying to marry him, marry the lady. So he's got to make money for the dowry or whatever. Hmm. But she seems to be running. Family. She seems to be an independent woman. She's got this. Yeah, <laughs> one woman, one slave so situation. <laughs> also, I, well, I mean, I don't know. I'm not going to poke holes into it. Like 30 seconds into the movie, can I go back oh, real quick? I already did. I yeah. yeah, we're only like literally like thirty <laughs> seconds into the film, but go ahead, let's. Yeah, this install. is like the first five seconds. First five Back seconds. It up. Um, by the logic that like since the Bears are doing so good, like they're making a bunch of movies in Chicago. I don't see any movies about like little kids getting red stories in New England and with like pieces of Tom Brady behind them, all signed and stuff. Like I feel that there's tons of there's tons of movies set in Boston now. Manchester by the Sea just won. Uh, something. But was Fred Savage yeah. in it? Wearing wearing a Patriots jersey? <laughs> no, but I mean, Boston's been big in movies. I feel like it's been big for a while. Yeah, it's all terrible. People stuff. don't like Texas sports as much big. though. It's all like murder and Mystic River, and like you killed my daughter. I gotta shoot you in the yeah. face. <laughs> well, it's because everyone fucking hates the Patriots. You can't get yeah. on that bandwagon. These are cheaters. I want to go on record saying I hate the Bears, Ex- except for the fridge. He's cool. <laughs> yeah, no, impossible I mean, to come on. this man right, so anyway they skip forward five years uh, Buttercup is uh, unaccountably turned from commoner to royalty so she can marry Prince Humperdinck which is a great name for. But this is one of those things that I miss like watching it again it's hard to remember that that name is funny because it's just you've seen it so much Humperdinck yeah and Buttercup and even Princess Buttercup yeah. yeah yeah exactly especially the way Chris Sarandon pronounces it yeah, really I really just... don't like that <laughs> he's so good though it's just like a prince you want to punch in the face all the time yeah because 
that's kind of one thing I was wondering if Kuji got. Like, you don't you don't learn that he's evil until well into the movie, but you kind of dislike him anyway, just because he's such like a douche. Yeah, he really presents and and he makes his princess walk through like a crowd of commoners. She can get like shivved or something, and they're like, "Why does she have no protection? She's just walking out of a hallway into a bunch of random people." Well, because everyone loves her, so it's all good. She's a commoner. She was like the princess die of her era. All right. Well. Anyway. Um, she gets kidnapped by a great trio, Vizini, Inigo, and Fezzik the Giant, and, uh, immediately you get the sense that, uh, Fezzik and Inigo are good guys, and they're just kind of being bullied around by Vizini, who's a horrible cunt. Yeah. But, uh, I forgot how, like, I feel like I forgot how funny the movie is every time I watch it. I always remember it being just like, yeah, it's you know such like a nostalgic movie, but it's like legitimately funny like throughout the entire movie, which is rare. Oh yeah, for a comedy. Yeah, they kind of land so many of the lines. Just the phrase "unemployed in Greenland," the way uh, <laughs> Wallace Shawn says it. Oh yeah, the the writing is like perfect throughout, like the dialogue, everything. There's just, it's just such an insanely quotable movie. Why? Why was he in Greenland being unemployed, and how did he get found? I don't know. What, what, what kind of question is that? Who goes to Greenland? Also, he said, I'm pretty sure it's know. pronounced Greenland, Vikings? not Greenland. <laughs> and as um, as we I know from the Mighty Ducks, was... Greenland is icy and Iceland is green. Yeah, That's dude. the only way I know it. We should it. do some Mighty Ducks too next time. <laughs> Skip straight to two. <laughs> uh, I, I think it's worth pointing out that Inigo looks like he could play guitar in Bad Company. <laughs> like that hair and that mustache or a blue oyster cult yes even better even better um my local grocery store has an andre the giant drawing by the bulk peanuts saying anybody want a peanut <laughs> which kind of goes to show like how deep this film has like penetrated the cultural consciousness yeah it's just like it's pretty perfect in there yeah uh, speaking of Andre the Giant, do you want to hear about some of his drinking records? Yes, please. Yeah. Well, for one thing, the dude Greatest is drunk he's on Earth. seven four, and he was like five hundred plus pounds. <laughs> he was fucking massive. Yeah. Uh, he also apparently just just real quick. He apparently mm-hmm. used to get driven to school by uh, Samuel Beckett, the playwright, just because yeah. they lived near each other near Paris. <laughs> And and he couldn't fit in the bus. And Samuel <laughs> yeah. had, had a truck he could fit in. Yeah, which is so well, awesome. He was he was six three when he was twelve years old. Yeah, that's fucking huge. What a boss! That's incredible. And he was anyway, really good was at math. His drinking accomplishment. Yeah, so he's dubbed the greatest drunk on earth. Uh, three different accounts here. I've got one of them. Uh, he drank a hundred and nineteen twelve ounce beers in six hours. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Another time. That fucks on Wade Boggs. <laughs> well, yeah, this one's even better. This is confirmed by two sources. He drank 156 16-ounce beers in one sitting. <laughs> Jesus Christ. That's confirmed by Dusty Rhodes, <laughs> the wrestler. <laughs> and then another one, uh, someone named the Fabulous Moolah wrote in her autobiography, that he drank 127 beers in Pittsburgh, and he passed out in the lobby, and they, the entire staff could not move him. <laughs> I believe it. 
<laughs> so he the just weird thing is that's still like so many more beers than even makes sense like by doing the math like if you're like a 150 pound man like that's more than four times the amount of beers you could drink in a sitting right yeah it's not it's not a, a exponential increase <laughs> like, like how <laughs> many parabolic how many 12 inch beers do you 12 ounce not 12 inch 12 ounce beers do you think you guys could drink in like one sitting like in one sitting yeah i don't know i feel like 10 I, would be a lot i think uh I like one night drinking... one night of heavy drinking oh one yeah. night yeah i'll say one night yeah maybe i recall a drinking a, a baker's dozen <laughs> and that was <laughs> that was my greatest night did you yeah do a baker's dozen on I purpose <laughs> so you could say that did i do it on purpose did you drink thir- like you got the dozen you're like i want to say baker's dozen and you decided to have one more <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I passed out on the couch with uh, both arms like splayed out and like my head back, like I was about to receive a fellatio, but I didn't. <laughs> Wait, what? What position was this in? Like you, you know, you're like big boss man sitting on the couch with like both your arms up on the couch. Oh, okay, I see. And then like your head, my head was like like smiling, lean back, like someone was blowing me, but I'm pretty sure no one blew me. <laughs> Oh, okay. Did someone put sunglasses on you so it's like we get a Bernie's? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. I hope so. All right. I'm going to skip ahead because you guys are fucking terrible at staying on point. Yeah. Christ. No, we're the masters. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they swim along, swimming along, swimming along. They reach the cliffs of insanity. And That's my favorite joke, I think. <laughs> Again, just the way he says it yeah. is so wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, because then he's just like, the cliffs of insanity. And he's like, you, move the thing. You, the other <laughs> thing. <laughs> yeah, he has no idea of sailing terms. Uh, and just the sight of the cliffs makes him insane. <laughs> <laughs> so good. And so, like, Fezzik has to climb, like, a vertical mile up a rope while carrying three people. And the man in black who's chasing them at this point who, uh, Kuji, is it clear, like, to an adult watching this that it's definitely going to be Wesley? Yeah. 100%. Okay. Because, I mean, as a kid, I didn't know. And so I'm like, ooh, what a twist. This blonde guy who yeah. sounds exactly <laughs> like Harry Oles. I was wondering that, too, if it was supposed to be, like, like uh, another, like, point of humor, like, yeah, you totally can't tell who it is, right? But it totally is obvious. But that yeah, actually, like, they could like the be. I don't know. It's probably the mustache. I don't... <laughs> Yeah, the mustache kills it. I can't remember if I ever was thrown off by that as a child, but probably. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you just kind of watch movies as a kid. You don't even think about what's going to come next. You're just kind of like in the moment. Mm-hmm. But um, now, then, you know, they get to the top and there's like a, a bunch of kind of great characterization of Inigo. You get the story about his his father and you get, more importantly, the fact that he helps the guy reach the top just so he can kill him and he's not he's going to do it left-handed just because he loves fencing so much like he's not going to get like i only way i can be satisfied (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's a pretty great characters uh like a master swordsman who just fucking loves swords (laughs) fencing he's so so chill too and like just nice and likable and the, the other thing i like too it made me think like in a in a real in real life terms, like these guys just going around, I guess they're just kind of like hired goons or whatever. Um, he's probably like pretty bored. He doesn't get to use his like fencing skills that much. So I like the idea of him like, all right, 
getting to you know practice because i don't know when, when you get to practice using your sword that's true and it, i mean it's also like you know not quite a decade ahead but it, it kind of the same thing like pulp fiction did which is show these goons as just like real people whose heart isn't even really in being a goon they're just kind of doing it for the sake of it and they're just you right. know their own people who don't necessarily even want to hurt anybody <laughs> yeah he's just a, he's just a, a friendly drunk yeah <laughs> loves yeah. his pops i was really hoping he was gonna have like some drunken master like sword fighting shit i was really looking forward to that oh. that is too that is too hopeful yeah. i mean how did the sword play again this is something i can't really judge like the sword play it looks just kind of like they're swinging but is it good is it a good sword fight i think it was choreographed really well yeah all right i thought cool. it was really good. i mean it's enjoyable just because they're talking the whole time and there's that great twist where they're actually both left-handed mm-hmm. that not only shows how like again chim- chummy they are but also like it lets the sword fight have like three stages as they each reveal that they're not left-handed and then you know you kind of reach the li- final stage where wesley wins mm-hmm. i thought it was really good I, they both both actors were actually the ones doing all the fencing yeah other than the flips uh, they did everything <laughs> yeah the the random yeah. parallel bar out of nowhere <laughs> <laughs> in a cliff. <laughs> yeah, and the very obvious map that they're landing on. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one thing is, and this is something that kind of recurs through the movie, and I don't know if it's because I watched it as a kid or what, but there's a lot of what they're talking about that I have no idea what they're saying. Like, whenever they're dropping the fencing terms, I just kind of, like, hear uh, sounds, and I don't right. even know what they're saying. Uh, yeah, I still don't know. <laughs> I And it happens there are actually a lot of lines in the movie, though. I want to say... As a guy, I mean, I have limited fencing experience, right? It took like one class, but here we go. I don't remember any of those. I feel like they were just making things up. I want to like read. No, they're all real things. Are they all real things? Yeah, like Capofera and uh, Agrippa. I don't know. Ethan, and I like probably looked up the same exact trivia on this. I yeah, I, I didn't look that part up, but yeah, I believe you. <laughs> yeah, I always thought he said. Like uh, I thought you changed the cup cup of whale or whatever. I think he's. I thought you, <laughs> I always thought Anigo said, "I thought you would think I was a leaper, a leaper." Oh, but, and then he jumps. Yeah, and then he jumps. But I guess he's saying like a rapa he's or something. St- he's studied his agripa, but he uses a, uh, that. He's a I don't speak Spanish, so I don't know what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, we've established that. I don't. Um. So the thing is, when he fights. Inigo and then Fezzik, but the weird thing is both times I'm rooting for Inigo and Fezzik because they're so much more likable characters. They're so friendly, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's the one, not quite downside of the movie, but they're definitely much better characters than Wesley is, and I'm so much more interested in Inigo's story than Wesley's. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, as the the main guy, I guess, he doesn't get to have as fun of a backstory. Or anything? Yeah, I'm really curious. And, about... and he's kind of a dick. <laughs> he's yeah, he's a huge dick in the beginning. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's kind of cool. He's kind of like pleasant with Inigo and Fezzik, but he's like really dickish to his own like fiance. Because mm-hmm. he, th- he he even threatens like smash her in the face. Yeah, was that cool? I don't think that's cool. I mean, I feel like she thought you were dead. Like, that's totally understandable that five years later she'd marry the richest guy in the kingdom. I mean, be happy for Also, her. it's not even her choice. He yeah. just picked her, and she's got to marry him. So, Wesley's yeah. being so a out of control. Baby. Yeah, out of control. He's a dickhead. He... <laughs> uh, before that happens, though, he fights uh, Andre the Giant, 
who is somehow more lovable than Inigo even. <laughs> I love when he says, uh, he offers that they wrestle because that's more mm-hmm. sportsmanlike than just hitting him with the rock. <laughs> and uh, hiding behind he's the like, bowl. well, you've definitely got the advantage. He's like, well, I could, I could kill you now. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> the rock while smiling. Yeah, he's got a big smile on his face. He holds up the rock. I thought I thought it was really funny too that Andre the Giant's character, like his his funny quirk is that he's always rhyming, but you can't ever understand what Andre the Giant's saying. <laughs> no. So it's and like that, why that you're making his joke a verbal one. And they made so it and they guy. made it harder because they started choking him too, so you could less understand what he's saying. <laughs> also, it's kinda sad he I guess he had major back surgery right before the movie. So that's why, if you notice, like, he actually doesn't do anything. Like, he just kind of mm. walks around. So when the yeah, guy, well, you you can tell when, like, Wesley's on his back and they zoom out, it's just, like, some guy in a really bad under the giant mask. <laughs> 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 and I don't know who some it is. Like, who's, yeah, I don't know who they have, like, climbing the rock, too, but I'm pretty sure that wasn't him either. Hmm. Yeah, well, anyway, I'm always pissed off when Wesley wins, especially this one, because it's like, there's no fucking way he'd be able to choke this guy. No. Like, it's like having a kid hanging around your neck. All, you just, all you'd have to do you is know, just fall, fall backwards, and you would just crush him. Yeah. Yeah. I also don't like that fight, because it always is way faster than I remember it. <laughs> yeah, it does go pretty quickly. He gets really quickly onto his back, and that's the end of it. Yeah. Like, the Inigo fight has you know, a good length to it. Good girth. <laughs> yeah. Uh, anyway. So <laughs> Let me get to the he best gets he gets to a really weird set where, like, uh, Vizzini's just, like, splayed out a fucking picnic with a knife to Buttercup's throat, and they're at an impasse, which they really, like, totally are, because what does Vizzini hope? That he's just going to, like, walk away? Mm-hmm. Um, but instead he proposes to do a battle of wits that doesn't really even make sense. Like, Wesley poisons two goblets of wine, and Vizzini is just supposed to kind of divine which one's poisoned. But it's kind of worth it just to hear his, like, constant like uh delay tactics he's like weird trying to talk it out deductive reasoning that doesn't make any sense (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah, it's so perfect though it was good yeah well my favorite part is um i i mean honestly every single time i think about australia i think of the phrase australia is entirely peopled by criminals (laughs) (laughs) which doesn't even make sense because it's like a massive anachronism in this movie (laughs) yeah because like australia was like a british empire penal colony and this is supposed to take place in like the 1300s or something yeah like post-renaissance i guess i don't know but that all like it's just such a perfect marriage of character actor and like delivery and dialogue it's like which he's, line just all of it just his whole his whole monologue like where he's got his circular reasoning going on because <laughs> it's just yeah. like getting like higher pitched and like whinier <laughs> As he's like getting more and more into it, I really love uh, his sudden shift though when he does that stupid like he makes Wesley turn around and for some reason thinks that switching the goblets is like a great move, and he's got such like a shit eating grin <laughs> yeah, the whole time. Cannot he's contain like, it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like, let's drink you from your goblet and me from mine. <laughs> no one on on Earth has ever said <laughs> said it with that intonation and meant what they meant. It's it sounds as sarcastic as possible. <laughs> Also, what does he um, what does he say about being a Sicilian? He said something like he says he says the class you've fallen victim to one of the classic blunders. The first 
is never get involved in a land war in Asia. <laughs> and the second, <laughs> okay. only slightly okay. less well-known, is never go in against a Sicilian when death is on the line, which I very nearly Incredible. used as my uh, senior quote in uh, my yearbook <laughs> in high school and only changed at the last minute, which uh, to, I regret. To don't have a land war in Asia? <laughs> is that what you changed it to? He cut the first part. No, he left it as anybody want a peanut? Yeah. Uh, this movie is also th- uh, this scene is where as a kid I learned what mortal meant, um, mm. and it really disturbed me as a child. Oof. Like, oh, it means that everyone's gonna die, <laughs> and uh, like, especially as like a Christian kid, it was really weird learning that this is what like when you study you learn that that's not true and <laughs> that actually everyone's mortal. Yeah, I thought that was really interesting because it's like a glimpse into the time period, like yeah. The- most people were stupid and thought they were immortal <laughs> and like only the, yeah. the educated few like realized that they weren't. It's also kind of a stretch to think that like studying fencing would also teach you philosophical <laughs> truths. Yeah, mortality. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to propose that Jason Alexander would have been an okay second choice for Fazzini. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's a good proposal. I'll accept. <laughs> But I still think Wallace Shawn's got to beat. Oh yeah, definitely. Just because I don't, I, I think... can't, I can't see Jason Alexander being like that. I don't know. Just he's just not as grating. They, as, he would have been slightly more of like the TV movie version. Right. I mean, maybe just because he's famous for being on TV, but they have like similar temperaments. But yeah, and and uh, body types. <laughs> Um, so anyway, this whole time Humperdinck is like, like oddly close behind them. He's like one scene behind them at all times. Wait, real, real quick. Go ahead. Can you see Wallace Shawn as a George Costanza? <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, I mean, no, yeah, that would have been terrible. Yeah, it wouldn't work. Just because right. you can't really see him in normal life. He's such a <laughs> like cartoon character looking guy. Yeah. Uh, except in Clueless, he was fine in Clueless. Yeah, that's true. Still low. But uh, anyway, Humperdinck's following, and he's such like a fop. He's just like <laughs> such a great. Fop. I shall be very put out. <laughs> well, that's why that was like a funny joke. I never really thought about it until this viewing. It's like every time he talks about her getting killed, he he expresses it in like less and less uh, emotional ways. <laughs> like the first time he's like she cannot be hurt and then this, the later on he's just like yeah I'll be very put out <laughs> <laughs> yeah like it'll bother me yeah, he doesn't care anymore um, but obviously uh, what's her name shoves buttercup <laughs> shoves uh, Wesley down the hill finds out that he's uses his fucking catchphrase so she knows it's him and then yeah. uh, they escaped in a fire swamp which Humperdinck I love that he like thinks that they panicked and like that accounts for their error in like falling down the cliff. Mm-hmm. And for some, I, I mean, it's so weird that like watching it through now, the stuff I laughed at was just like his stupid face and this dumb afro blowing in the wind as he's like being way more serious than everyone else in the movie. Yeah, that, <laughs> I thought about that right around this scene too, because yeah, he's pretty serious, and Robin Wright's like super serious. Like she's like the only one who like isn't in on the joke. It seems. <laughs> Yeah, she's playing it totally straight, but Chris Sarandon's playing it almost like a Brian Blessed or something. Like he's like kind of announcing to everyone around everything he's saying in like really <laughs> grandiose way. Yeah, I was wondering just like what 
I wonder what they thought when they were making this movie. Because, you know, you hear about, like, when people are making Lord of the Rings, like, most of them thought it was just going to be, like, some schlop. And, yeah. Like, well, like, only only Gandalf knew it was, like, going to be a good movie. I saw that they were, they almost cast uh, Uma Thurman as Buttercup, and I'm thinking, like, she probably hmm. would have played it way over the top, like, in Batman um, and Robin <laughs> oh, or, God. like, Kill Bill, and it would have fucking ruined it. Yeah. Robin Wright is pretty pretty perfect because she's like, I mean, a she's a stunner, <laughs> am I right? Stone like, cold stunner, stone cold stunner, and yeah, I think it it helps that she's like playing it straight because she's just like the princess and like supposed to be, I don't know, proper. I don't know. It just yeah, works. She's kind of the straight man in the story, but I also do yeah. love the line that Wesley gives where he says, "Your pig fiance is too late." <laughs> <It's so good. laughs> Uh, and then you get the fire swamp, which is like the next little like fun fantasy world. And he, he kind of like, he just had three challenges and now he's got like three, like lightning round challenges, like within <laughs> the span of the next five minutes. Yeah. Cause he's got the fire and the lightning sand and the big stupid rat, like, like <laughs> yeah. little people in rat costumes. R O U S S. Yeah. Which doesn't make sense. Cause he definitely sees them just before he says yeah. he doesn't think they exist. And one tackles him like from the front. So there must, there's got to <laughs> well, be more than one too. I think it went like, yeah, because he. It seems like he was trying to make it so like she would know that they were there, but he could have just like stabbed it. I don't know. It was like right there, man. Yeah. And she doesn't do yeah, anything to help him. She's like, oh, oh, no. And then she gets a stick. And yeah, she's she like, not only doesn't help, but like he's about to get a sword back, and she like calls him over because <laughs> it's coming at her. It's like give him a second. And it only like bites her dress. It's like. Who cares? Come on. So it's not on her foot, too. Yeah, it's going at her shoe. No. I mean, she could have run, I think. Mm-hmm. The, the weird thing, though, like in this scene, because th- this is like the first time where it's just her and and him, Wesley and Buttercup. It, I, I will say, as much as I just said I love Robin Wright's like acting it straight, it, it is kind of weird because like, Carrie Ells is so goofy. <laughs> Like, I feel like especially in the fire swamp, he's, like, not really, like, registering what's going on around him. Because he talks yeah, about how, like, how pleasant it is, the trees and everything. Yeah, that's always the sense I got is that, like, this scene almost suggests that they're not really right for each other. That he's, like, outgrown her because he's, like, a badass adventurer now. Mm-hmm. And so he's, like, really smug through this whole situation. She's still kind of terrified. And it's kind of weird. Yeah. It was a little weird. It, I mean, this is like the only part where it kind of shows their weird chemistry, but yeah, it's fine. It's yeah, scene. he does punch the rat though. <laughs> yeah, that was good. He punches the the rat person. <laughs> yeah, and that's the um, that's the second because then uh, earlier, Andre the Giant like cold cocks that eel in the face. <laughs> that's right. Out of nowhere, they should have brought it on board and eaten it. Yeah, man, that thing's huge. That would be cool. Use it as like a whip. <laughs> so they get um at the other side of the fire swamp for whatever reason they knew which way they were going to exit and uh Humperdinck cuts him off buttercup surrenders in exchange for a promise not to hurt wesley and wesley sees that count rugen has six figure six fingers which has got to be like the greatest coincidence of all time because he just <laughs> yeah. found out about yeah. this guy that someone else has been searching for for like two decades <laughs> yeah it seems like well Okay, that's the other thing. I, 
the confusing thing about the whole story for me is Fazzini and his men were hired by the prince, right? Yeah. So I guess in the, in that entire process, I guess Anigo and Rugen never crossed paths. Yeah, I guess. And I guess this like high profile dude who has six fingers like never got around to the guy looking for him. <laughs> Even though he must have known who he was, too. I mean it's like, hey, who was that guy who put the order on the sword? Oh, Count Rugen? Okay, thank you. <laughs> He's the weirdest like thing is he left him a mile the sword. away. It's like he killed yeah. the guy to get the sword. Why didn't he take the sword with him? Also, in like the thirteen hundreds, fought, fought him off. Yeah. When you maybe he just did it to be a dick, he was just like, "I'm just going to crush his spirit by offering him less money and then kill him, just because he loves pain mm-hmm. so much." He loves its sweet taste. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Kuji? I was going to say, in that era, I feel like having six fingers would be like a death sentence because you'd be like a witch or something. <laughs> yeah, but if you're a nobleman, I'm sure you're fine. I mean, they were all freaks because they were all like fucking each other, like in a small gene pool. Like the Habsburgs. I, if I remember correctly, I think having six fingers is like a genetic, like I think it's a dominant trait. No, is it? I think so. so. They'd all no, it can't be. I feel like it is. I'll check it. No, out. more people. Then, like there'd be tons of people with six fingers. Or we kill them all off because they're witches. I don't know. Eh, I'll look it up. Eh, I'll look it up. Yeah, it's it's possible that yeah, just like one king, like didn't have six fingers, so he's like kill everyone who has six fingers. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone. Most kings wouldn't have had six fingers. I think the weird thing is that uh, he sees him staring at his weird hand. And he's like, "Oh, what is it?" And it's like, dude, you know what it is. You've got a fucking weird hand. This has to happen all the time. And he's showing it off. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's just like... get a glove with like an extra big pinky finger and stuff two fingers in there. Or just wear mittens. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, so the the. Throughout most of that adventure um, part of it, like, there's no interruptions. But then when Buttercup has this dream of this disgusting old woman, uh, (laughs) she dreams that she was already crowned queen because the king died. And that this old lady's like, you know, she betrayed her dearest love. So now she's the queen of garbage. (laughs) Um, Scene really I didn't care for as a child because it was so, like, disgusting, this lady. But I absolutely (laughs) love it now. Just because how fucking mean she is. <laughs> yeah, no one's like, saying to the queen of slime, the queen of <laughs> putrescence. <laughs> That's a great word. I really, I really thought she was gonna get like an arrow to the back or something because I didn't know it was a dream, obviously. <laughs> yeah, and so Buttercup arranges a stupid deal with Humperdinck that he's gonna send four ships in every direction, which makes no sense because surely one of those directions is land but anyway <laughs> back back to land <laughs> um and i i kind of like that he like kind of goes through all this with her even though he doesn't give a shit and he's just planning to murder her himself the whole time <laughs> yeah his his evilness and grossness yeah it, it, it hides it pretty it, well through it, whole it, shit, it blossoms yeah it blossoms very nicely <laughs> at the end he just really stops giving a fuck yeah and meanwhile, Wesley, instead of being sent back to his pirate, which why would they say he's a pirate? Shouldn't they hang him? Like, just because he's a pirate? Yeah. Why would yeah. they send him back to his ship so he could fucking steal their stuff and murder their tradesmen? Anyway. I mean, you don't know. He's no Jack Sparrow. Maybe a good guy. I do yeah. really well, like No, the... he's known for murdering, which doesn't even make sense. Like, he's supposed to be an effective pirate, but he never leaves survivors. 
But it's right. like, wouldn't that just make people fight you to the last man instead of surrendering easily and quietly? Yeah, it kind of ruins. You the... got to do like Goodfellas style, just like bring them in on the operation. Yeah, I mean that's kind of what he did with Wesley. Yeah, but anyway, <laughs> it just didn't make sense. Anyway, he's in the torture chamber in the pit of despair with the albino, who's another <laughs> like really minor bit of subversion where he starts rasping out, and then he just has to clear his throat. <laughs> I like that a lot. Yeah, uh, that's good. Yeah, it's so good. This movie is like right on the cusp of being like. I guess Robin Hood men tights. But, it's like, yeah, like parody. Yeah, but it does really well to to not jump over that line. I think that's my like my favorite part. All the all the humor, all the subversiveness. It's like really well metered out. Yeah, that's true. Doesn't get like just slapstick and silly. Also, uh, I was trying to look up the differences between the book and the movie, and for the most part, everything is pretty much the same. I mean, the the guy wrote the screenplay wrote the book but one, one noted difference the pit of despair in the book it's referred to as the zoo of death <laughs> and i think it's like a little bit different it's not just like a chamber i think it's like a multi-leveled zoo yeah, I guess. Supposed to, well i think it, it's a playoff of humperdinck being a, a hunter he's got like his private hunting grounds or something yeah, it seems so, very exciting. Except it seems like you do like you know the most dangerous game situation, so just pitting him to a table. <laughs> yeah, I think Pit of Despair is better. More the- yeah, I think so yeah. too. Um, and he gets hooked up to a, a machine that sucks one year of his life away. The machine, which is like the medieval version of buying him Grand Theft Auto Five. <laughs> am I right? You <laughs> <laughs> play it so much, you lose. Anyway. <laughs> I don't. Uh, Wesley starts this, crying. Is this the machine they're raging against? <laughs> yes, okay. the one. I thought it was gonna milk him, <laughs> <laughs> and you still end up crying. Yeah, I mean, uh, it still kind of hurts. To, you know, <laughs> weird suction cups on you. That kind of sucks. Yeah, that would really um, hurt. I I do love that Christopher Guest is like so calm and collected, and he's like, "This is for posterity, so please be honest. How did you feel?" <laughs> Like Jesus, it, it's like weird because so like them being all chummy kind of enhances how evil they are. Yeah, it 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 does, but it like also takes a little bit of the edge off. But yeah, well, I mean, you're laughing, but I mean, it's just it's they're such like he says to the the, the prince, he's like, oh, get some rest, you know, if you haven't got your health, you haven't got anything. <laughs> uh, and it reminded me, of, I don't know, almost of like the tick or something. Like it's just really taking these guys down a notch. But in a way that makes their evil acts so much worse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because they seem like normal guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the king, he, what's his name? Humperdinck, like, does this whole ruse to make it look like he's really trying his best to stop Buttercup from getting killed. So he clears out the king's forest, which is a ton of work for so many people for no reason. <laughs> um, but I love the thief's forest because it seems like a Zelda setting or something. And yep. Inigo is there, drunk as fuck, and nobody can capture him because he's too much of an asshole, except Fezzik, who's on his side. <laughs> he's got, yeah, he's got a little bit of the drunken uh, swordsman going on that you want. Yeah, there you go, Kuji. Yeah, but it wasn't a lot. I mean, it was like, he like does one thing, and then, then Andre comes and saves the day. Um, And then Fezzik somehow knows a lot more than he seems like he should know. He knows about the six-fingered man, is Count Rugen. And he knows that Wesley is the man in black and is Buttercup's uh, man. Mm-hmm. 
And I don't know if this is supposed to be the same day, but he like revives Inigo by like waterboarding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, giving him soup. Yeah, he gave him some nice stew. He waterboards him. Very hearty stew. And then uh <laughs> I do like uh, that. Once Inigo knows, he's just like, There's gonna be blood tonight, baby. Yeah, that's a good hard man line. Oh yeah. That should be the quote. Yeah. Uh so I'm still confused at the prince's whole plot here. So he hired Fazzini, but he did it just so he could recapture Buttercup, just to like prove that he wasn't trying to kill her? No, the whole point of his... I mean, he's just trying to get a war started. So he was going to have Vizzini kill Buttercup and leave her in the Gilder frontier so that right. when she, her body was found there, everyone who... You know, he picked her because everyone loved her. And once she's dead, then people will demand to go to war, so he'll get to go to war. So how did, Which is kind of a funny plot, in a way. Yeah, very, like, Shakespearean plot. Uh, what? Why was he... Are like already on the hunt then to find her. Ah, never mind. Who cares? Because they want to find her, and then when they found her, I mean, I, I assume that things were kind of the work. Oh, were stopped he up was dead trying with, to. Yeah. Show. Okay, I got it. Yeah, I put it all. Yeah, together. he was putting on a good show, and then they were going to find her dead, and be like, "Ah, oh, damn it! Damn Why, it! Why, God? Why do people have to die? <laughs> Why do um, bad things happen to good people? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, all this shit gets exposed. Mm -hmm. um and buttercup realizes he's a lying coward and mm -hmm. by pointing that out uh humperdinck goes into fucking rage mode he goes to the torture dungeon and he puts the machine up to 11 which kills wesley <laughs> yeah he's dead which is it's i saw one bit of trivia that probably shouldn't count as trivia but it was kind of funny it was this that uh christopher guest mm -hmm. uh, because he has six fingers on one hand his hands go up to 11 like a spinal tap oh which he was in did Smile Tap come up already? I think so. Maybe yeah, maybe it was a nod. This was eighty seven. A nod to that. Wait, didn't they didn't they put up to fifty? Yeah, I was joking. Oh, okay. Oh, God <laughs> I was gonna much. say <laughs> You piece of shit. Wait, if you had yes. six fingers on one hand, shouldn't you have it on both hands? <laughs> shouldn't you have like twelve fingers then? Make a no, he's only got six fingers on one hand. What a weirdo. We should kill him. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be nice, though. I do like that uh, <laughs> Humperdinck calls Buttercup my dulcet darling, which I call my wife a lot. Um, and I think everything I call her is from some movie or another. Like Honey I mean, Bunny. It's always characters who are going to try to murder their spouse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Humperdinck gets a great scene, though. He really does sell it, that he's a complete fucking asshole. He's slightly terrifying. Um and that line, he says, uh, no man in a century will suffer as much as you will. That's a line that, again, as a kid, just get me thinking, like, how bad did people suffer back then? Like, probably a lot. <laughs> like, that's a lot of suffering. That's I don't awesome. know. Like, what I used to do when I watched movies is I'd pick the guy that I wanted to be in the movie. And uh, I guess because I was a coward as a child, even. <laughs> um, it always turned me off when, like, the coolest characters got, like, horribly tortured. So... Like, watching Star Wars, it's like, oh, yeah, you want to be Han Solo. And then he gets tortured in Empire Strikes Back. It's like, ah, I guess I want to be Luke because he just loses a hand. Oof, and then he gets yeah. tortured with lightning in Return of the Jedi. It's like, fuck. I guess it'll be <laughs> chewy. But he gets tortured with a loss. Yeah. <laughs> with a loss of his best friend. <laughs> That's true. 
Well, time. in this one, it's like, oh, you want to be Wesley because he's the coolest guy. He gets tortured the worst. Like, oh, Inigo. Oh, no, he gets a knife in the belly. Never mind. <laughs> yeah, Inigo is pretty fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I definitely want to be Inigo, though. Yeah, Inigo kicks ass. The three of us. If we were Plus, Inigo, Fezzik, and, and Vizzini, who would we be? Kuji's definitely Fizzini. Oh, so I get to or be I mean, Andre the Giant? No, 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 I'm sorry. He's Fezzik. He's Andre the Giant. Oh. Oh, damn yeah. it. So I get to be Vizzini. <laughs> that sounds about right, actually. Yeah, that wouldn't work. You got to be Inigo, fucker. I don't know why, Kuji, but I always, when I see Andre the Giant, I think of you. That. <laughs> and cannot, <laughs> cannot tell that's it's a not... compliment or not. <laughs> but I'll take the, it as The well. greatest drunk in history? Just as. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. incredible drunken stories. <laughs> <laughs> Big hands? I don't know. I don't know how you yeah, would know my hand size. <laughs> I love the scene where uh, Inigo has to check his hand against Andre the Giant's hand. And he's like, oh, instead of like looking up at his face. <laughs> yeah. And it shows how friggin' gigantic his hands are. Goddamn. Yeah, they were fucking huge. Um, so, uh, anyway, Wesley screams so loud that like people are hearing it on the moon. <laughs> yeah. And so of... like Inigo and, and, uh, Fezzik go down to the, the hidden grove and they use, uh, ghost dad magic to find the entrance to the pit of despair. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of a cheap. There's a scene that I almost kind of like phase out whenever I see it. Cause it's kind of boring watching him like walk around with a damn sword. Yeah, and just like and murder just an, murder an albino. <laughs> That's such a great. <laughs> he questions him and he doesn't even respond. <laughs> and they just bonks him on the head. Yeah, that with a fist that's as big as his yeah, head. His spine is just <laughs> crushed. He's dead. That's it. It looked like it hurt. So yeah, they save him, and then we get to Kuji's favorite part. Well, first, uh, fucking Fred Savage loses his shit because he's like, the story's being ruined. He's like, who kills Humperdinck? And that's Uh, maybe one of the most subversive parts of the story is that they reveal at this point that Humperdinck lives. Mm -hmm. And Freddy's like, Jesus, Grandpa, why'd you read me this thing? (laughs) And Grandpa's like, just shut (laughs) up and listen. (laughs) Yeah, like every five seconds, like, do you want me to finish the goddamn story? You want me to leave? Okay, relax. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they do that a couple times with the. We kind of skipped over it, but with the shrieking eels, the the story, reading the story context, like, cuts off the the uh, excitement from the actual movie. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but I like that part because they do the the goof where he starts reading again. But he starts reading like a paragraph earlier, so he kind of has to go back through it and he's they're kind of go over like Wallace Shawn's lines with Columbo's voice because yeah, that was a cool you know, he's kind of going back through it. Um, but yeah, Coogee's favorite part, <laughs> fucking <laughs> Billy Crystal killing it. So good. Uh, hot take. I didn't like Billy Crystal. Whoa. E- ever? In anything? <laughs> well, that's that's to be determined. I don't... I Wait, oh, movie? you motherfucker. Don't even you dare <laughs> say that. Don't you dare say that. <laughs> In this movie, I think he's like he's so good. A little too much. A little he's too bebobbing much. him, getting too much. ML- he's bebobbing. The- MLT. I don't oh, MLT. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, super hot take. That's the that's the what pushed it over the edge for me. The MLT joke <laughs> is that he just did just did Billy Crystal humor instead of like period humor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like the, you can tell they just let him riff, and he was like pushing it all the way up because he's like trying to make a big splash. 
Yeah. I mean, it's funny, though, because, like, I think the scene is funny, but um, when you hear, like, trivia from the movie, they talk about, like, you know, like, three pages, like, died from laughing during the scene, and, like, uh, <laughs> Inigo's, like, he's, like, he bruised a rib trying not to laugh, which doesn't make sense. <laughs> and I think Rob Reiner even said that he had to leave the set during these scenes because he would laugh so much that he'd become nauseous. <laughs> Jesus. Three pages died? <laughs> no, I was joking about that. Part. <laughs> oh, okay. But I mean, it's just like these like excessive like Hollywood stories of like, just it was so funny that like, you know, I didn't stop laughing for three days. Yeah. We love his but... Jewish impression. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he is Jewish, isn't he? Yeah, very. Yeah. Have you really have you heard him? <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I guess he's he's a Jew who does impressions, right? He's not doing Jewish impressions. I mean, he, I think he's just well, being himself, which is just a very yeah. Jewish man. Mm-hmm. To his credit, John Stewart does it. I mean, the point of the scene is that he's like uh, he's mostly dead, and so Wesley they bring his corpse to him, and he makes him like this stupid chocolate covered pill that'll bring him <laughs> back to life, but he'll yeah. only do it. I mean, there's this back and forth because he doesn't want to do it because it's not a noble enough cause. And but they get him to say that. And because it's not enough money. Love. And it's not enough money, which I feel like is yeah, yeah. Yeah. a little jab there. A little. <laughs> well, there's a, I mean, there's a lot of contention with Max. So, I mean, it's a, it's a good scene because it's a great he's scene. so combative. Yeah. Um, as a kid, I always had a problem with the fact that he says he does that whole to blave means to bluff because... <laughs> To bluff itself sounds so much more like true love than to blave. <laughs> but I, but like I love... a different vowel sound, whereas a V and an F sound very similar. I do love that, though, to blave. I, I still say that <laughs> yeah, all the time. It's to blave. Um, I noticed one of, the, one of the lines of this movie that reaches kind of a, um, you know, it's like those references or those quotes that kind of ascend to a point where you don't even know that you're quoting it. But that look who knows so much line, um, <laughs> I like absentmindedly quote that a lot. <laughs> that's a good one. And the back and forth with his wife, I think was really good. Yeah, that's no, a great scene. Oh, why are you shitting on it earlier? Well, Billy Crystal could tone it down a little bit. You just hate Billy Crystal. Maybe get maybe get Jason Alexander in there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he would be no good. I like to get Michael Richards in this movie somehow. <laughs> Just get the whole Seinfeld cast. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry would be a good Humperdinck. Jerry would be a good Humperdinck. Elaine could be Buttercup. I don't you know, know if you have a good fun time. I feel it. like Jerry would be would be Wesley, and I feel like uh, what's that guy? Banya would be <laughs> would be Humperdinck. <laughs> Banya. <laughs> Yeah, that'd be super good. <laughs> but then it'd just be him trying to hang out with <laughs> with Wesley the whole time. <laughs> Jeez, whole thing. Yeah, they couldn't just be, they couldn't just be their characters from Seinfeld. <laughs> yeah, they should though. They should just do. They that. should cast a Seinfeld well. does Princess Bride. Amazing. Um. Anyway, so the boys storm the castle. It's guarded by sixty men, and. I don't know why they said it had to be 15 minutes because it seems like it should have taken them longer than that to get to the castle. So they should have said like it needs an hour, but they give Wesley the pill before it's done like setting or whatever. And he revives, but he can't use his body. So there's like a lot of physical comedy coming from the fact that he's catatonic. (laughs) So much physical comedy. Yeah, I think this was always my favorite part as a kid. (laughs) Just because it's the most slapstick and silly. Just watching him kind of like try to like turn his face just to look at somebody different. 
and like but, you know wiggle his thumb and uh, yeah. little it, things. I mean, Fezzik turning his head away when Inigo asks him too many questions. <laughs> yeah, that was. Good. I was really nervous. Andre the Giant was going to crush his head because <laughs> he was holding it. <laughs> he was going to just crush it. End of the movie. Yeah. Uh, one of the things that, like, uh, as an adult, I found a lot funnier than I did as a kid is just that out of the blue, Wesley's like, if only we had a wheelbarrow, that would be something. <laughs> like, why the fuck would a wheelbarrow be the first thing you think of? <laughs> yeah, that's kind of, yeah, it's kind of like a classic throw you off kind of joke it's like yeah but then these got the better part is like if we only had a holocaust cape and then he's, he's <laughs> like well i have this sure <laughs> <laughs> will this work yeah that's yeah. kind of that's kind of perfect because it's just like all right we're just we're, we're getting to the end folks yeah it's yeah it's kind of like a looney tune scene almost yeah it and again though it just just rides that line where it's not quite like overt parody yeah um, so they pull uh, a goof where they <laughs> they have a Dread Pirate Roberts ghost attack during the wedding. And yeah, uh, I think the funny thing about this scene is, as Kuji brought up, uh, it's kind of like a dueling scene of like terrible speakers. Because <laughs> there's obviously the clergy. I mean, the clergyman with that voice, I remember as a kid, that was the highlight of the movie. True. Yeah. Well, it's just him saying Mawage, and he keeps saying Mawage. Yeah, and, and the, the wings. <laughs> yeah, and it's one of those things that, like, stops being funny after, like, you see it the first time, but then as an adult again, it's really funny that they just put something that stupid in this movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then he's got Andre the Giant doing the, the Dwed by Roberts, but not on purpose. Yeah. The word pirate Roberts is wow. for your soul. It took me like a good like five minutes before I I understood what he was like, saying. How was that the best take? <laughs> I mean, I guess they didn't want to set him on fire multiple times, but it seems like they could have gotten a better take. I mean, I think that's the best take you're gonna get. <laughs> <laughs> um, I like the. the uh, this is one more line though. He's just like, my men are here. I am here, but soon you will not be here. <laughs> <laughs> no weird threat. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of, uh, it's really weird acting chops for Andre the Giant to have this scene. Yeah. Um, but I guess like as a cover, it's actually Fezzik trying to act and he's not a good actor because he's mm, just yeah. a wrestler, which yeah. is also what Andre the Giant is. So, whoa. There you go. Um, one of my favorite lines from the movie is when they threaten the guy and says, give me the gate key. He says, I have no gate key. And it's <laughs> tear his arms off. It's like, oh, you mean this gate key? <laughs> JK, here it is. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a good that line good. from that guy who isn't even in the credits. Oh, good for him. Yeah, so the wedding, they rush it, and so Wesley doesn't arrive in time to stop it, which is, again, kind of a weird subversive bummer. Um, and it kind of cuts around here a bit, but let's just do, uh, Inigo first. So yeah. they're sneaking around the castle. He sees Count Rugen with four guys. Count Rugen sends four guys against him and Inigo slays them in like fucking four seconds. So, so smooth. it seems like they're going to like set up for their epic, you know, revenge fight, but Rugen like immediately soft cocks <laughs> it out of there. 
Well, that's yeah, that's a great one too because he like kind of sets himself up in like, <laughs> position and he just drops his sword. Oh no, yeah, he doesn't drop his sword. Like, no, but there's such like a long take of him running down the hallway yeah. away from him. <laughs> yeah, I think it's really funny too that like uh, Inigo doesn't chase after him immediately. It looks like. Yeah, he's kind of like stunned that he would even do that. <laughs> yeah, so good. And then there's like a weird, it's a weird like static chase because it's basically just the camera showing a room and then like Ruga running through it and then Inigo running through it like a second later. Mm-hmm. Um, and then obviously Inigo finally gets into the big feast room and uh, he immediately gets a knife in the belly and it's like, God damn it. <laughs> yeah. And really? Rugen is such an asshole. He's like, what do you say? He said something like, you've been chasing me your whole life only to fail now. That's the worst thing I've ever heard. How marvelous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's such a dick. Uh, and he I stabs th- him a couple more times. Yeah, he tries to go for the stab and he like blocks it, but not enough to actually fully block it. Mm. He's just bleeding from everywhere. He's just like covered in blood. <laughs> Yeah, he makes a, a medical error by removing the knife. He should have left it in yeah, there. Yeah, he <laughs> To stem the bleeding. Right. But, uh, I mean, probably the the best scene in the movie. I mean, it's definitely a better climax than what you get with Buttercup and Wesley. Um, yeah. Him staving off his, his execution twice, and then the third time he's, like, had enough and just kind of swats the sword away. And he says his trademark line, like, five times. Oh, and yeah, kinda, keep saying it. <laughs> it kind of like energizes. He really plays it well because he, at first, he like almost tips over again, but he kind of gets his his mojo back as he goes. Yeah, he fights them off, and then <laughs> it's such a such a satisfying kill too. Yeah, because not only does he give him the same cheek cuts, so you get like the full circle there, but then he makes him like, like tells him, "Offer me money." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and yeah, and he just does. Yeah, he's like, yeah, of course, anything you want. I do remember, I mean, it is so satisfying, the whole, you know, my father back, you son of a bitch. But I clearly remember, I I don't know if it's the first time I saw it, but um, mom ruining the scene by chiming in at the end, being like, but killing him doesn't bring his father back, does it? (laughs) Shut up, mom. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Like, he should have just, like, made peace with it and moved on with his life. Uh, Well, I think it works, because you haven't killed anybody. So, you we haven't even killed my dad yet either. All right. Well, <laughs> I guess we'll see that. <laughs> <laughs> One of the more satisfying uh, kills in in movie history, maybe. I think so. I honestly, I think I've seen that in a. I, I watch a lot of what culture videos, which are like wrestling and movie videos. Um, <laughs> That's right. On YouTube, and they do a lot of like listicles, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of them, I want to say, was like about the best kills, and this one made it. And I was like, "Yeah, this fucking kill kicks ass." Yeah, super satisfying. It's so much better than like, I don't know. Well, fuck it. Like you can list a bunch of other kills that aren't that satisfying, but <laughs> yeah, I think I think more often it's not satisfying than it is satisfying. Yeah, this one just kind of plays perfectly, but mm-hmm. uh. Anyway, like they kind of they kind of coordinate the lowest points in the story though, because as soon as Inigo gets his gut punch with a knife, uh, that's when Buttercup is about to commit suicide, 
which is also mm-hmm. a disturbing scene because you see her like pressing the knife up against her chest. Mm-hmm. And uh, I really enjoy the scene where she like tells her to be father-in-law, like, "Hey, I'm I'm gonna kill myself." He's like, "That's wonderful, dear." <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah senile dad." Also, so much for trying to speak out and asking your friends to help you, and they're like, "Great, lovely." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, maybe he was in on it. He was like, "Oh, this will this will do fine." It seems like she liked him <laughs> a lot. Got a kiss out of it. Yeah, you love yeah, that he kiss. He seems like a nice guy. Yeah. Yeah, she said, "You've always been kind to me." He's like, "Oh, that's cute. Nice old man with a shitty son." <laughs> yeah, he um, just lost it. But like almost too late, Wesley speaks up. I don't know how she didn't see him there though, because he's like right in her. Face yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. he's wearing all black on like a white sheet. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh. Maybe he was hiding for no reason, hmm. but he says that line where he says there's a shortage of perfect breasts in this world, <laughs> and uh, that was the third part of the movie that made me uncomfortable as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, don't 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 talk about breasts. My mom's here. Yeah, don't talk about titties, especially when she's about to plunge it. Like he's talking in the context of like plunging a knife into them, and that's why right. you shouldn't kill yourself. Right. You're gonna ruin those titties. <laughs> yeah, that's the only reason. Start a campaign with that. Um, but he he reveals that obviously they skipped the exchange of vows, so the wedding wasn't wasn't valid. And Humperdinck shows up as a good villain entrance to finish his sentence or whatever. And you get the awesome to the pain mm-hmm. speech. Pretty just pretty badass, you know, whooping your cock out scene. <laughs> He's like, "We're gonna do this here. This is all I got out on the table." He makes himself yeah, he just up. kind of describes how he's going to mutilate him, which is extremely disturbing in the yeah. details. Yeah, yeah, not even kill him, leave him alive, so he can let hear people scream about. But he does. Guys. He does also <laughs> lace it with some great insults, like "you warthog-faced buffoon" and "you miserable, <laughs> vomitous mass." <laughs> I want yeah. newborn babies to see your ugly face. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I like that. Um, the idea that um. Nobody has ever in his entire life insulted Humperdinck to his face. <laughs> he's, he's so shocked by it. I really love that, you know, he makes him, like, totally puss out. And it just, it's so perfect when he, like, says, go sit in the chair. And then Humperdinck, like, gathers his, like, dress gown. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's perfect. And just, like, sits down and, like, looks kind of comfy. I don't know. It's just like, yeah. Perfect, perfectly shot. Satisfying in a different way, the non-kill. Yeah, it definitely is. Yeah. Although I thought about it later where he's like, I'm not going to kill you. I'm going to let, let you live with your, um, you know, Coward. your cowardice. Yeah. But I'm like, well, you know, he's still Prince, so. Yeah, he's definitely life's... coming after you immediately. Yeah. <laughs> well, even if he doesn't, I mean, no one else was in the room. His life's pretty great, so <laughs> he's a prince. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't even, like, love Buttercup, so it's not like he's going to be, like, pissed off about that. He's probably just going to, like, move on to plan B on how to start a war with this country. That's, like, his only (laughs) goal in life. Yeah. But but then, like, everyone in the the kingdom is going to know, like, hey, we're going to marry this princess. She's just gone. What the hell, man? What happened? She run out on you? You know, like... Oh yeah, I guess that will humiliate yeah. him like miracle. And his dad's said. gonna be like, "What? Your wife didn't kill herself? <laughs> what happened?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, that's true. It's also like I feel like Inigo is getting ahead of himself when he's wondering what to do with the rest of his life because he's almost certainly bleeding out like, right <laughs> then and there. Definitely gonna die. <laughs> his life is thirty. That's seconds. The other thing. 
I yeah, I always forget that he doesn't like die on screen. I always just assume yeah. he does. <laughs> <laughs> well, then the, it wraps it up with the idea that just like Wesley did from like three other people, he's gonna like Inigo's gonna adopt like the Private Roberts uh, franchise, mm. which is so it's a really nice ending, but it's so weird that like the Dread Private Roberts is like known for massacring everybody <laughs> that he meets. So it's like that's what our hero's going on to do with his life. Yeah, that's like, like every time he meets a merchant at sea, even if they surrender, he kills. <laughs> he everyone has to on kill deck. unless he finds someone who he's intrigued by. Yeah, once he's ready to retire, he'll spare one person. <laughs> he's gonna Willy Wonka it. <laughs> yeah. So Fezzik kind of like it was, was he gonna do? Around. It w- it would have been good to get him in a combat role. Like, if you just bashed uh, Ruben's face in, that would have been satisfying, too. Fezzik, yeah. yeah. But, or, like, again, I don't think Andres Kajani could do anything. Or even a scene, like, if they just cut to him for no reason with, like, guards coming after him, he just keeps throwing one after another off, like, a bridge. Mm. Yeah, just, like, yeah, throwing I feel, I feel like the one way to improve this movie is give, give Andre the Giant one cool, uh, like, crushing skulls scene. Maybe that would have ruined his character. I don't know. Yeah, he was a gentle giant. Yeah, and he's he, the original, still the best. Still the best. He's, I mean, his big scene was just randomly finding those four white horses. <laughs> yeah. Well, he also, when Rugen's getting away, he like punches the door down with one punch, yeah. which is kind of mm. cool. That also, was cool. Yeah. Also, without any prompting, the princess just fucking leaps out the window. <laughs> like, like he'd say, "Like, hey, jump down here, I'll catch you." She's just like, eh, "See you guys." Yeah, there's stairs. <laughs> <laughs> he also didn't look like he was like prepared to catch anyone <laughs> he was like still holding all the horses and yeah. he jumps and he's like oh yeah. shit um, I did like that he only has like one interaction with the princess but it's super duper cute cause he's just like hello lady <laughs> she seems like so excited to see this massive giant who's friendly <laughs> he was a sight to see yeah um so that's like the end of the story. I always felt like it kind of, um, you know, it ends and the grandpa ends it quickly because the son or the grandkid hates kissing and the kid has fully matured now. So he's like, no, you can read really <laughs> <Yeah>. kissing. <laughs> and I always feel like it's kind of anticlimactic when they go back to it because it's just like, it was a really good kiss. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Greatest kiss ever. Like, did what he use his it? tongue? Like, come on, give me some details. <laughs> yeah, I would love it if they if they kept it on Columbo, just like in great detail, talk about how they were boning each other. <laughs> um, and then obviously, you know, it wraps it up with uh, the kid loves the movie so much, he's kind of arced from a shitty video game playing kid to a book enjoying good child. <laughs> the good boy. And he asks him to read the story tomorrow, and he replies, As you wish. And it's See, like, well, that's the movie. Aww. This might not be popular opinion, but I thought that was really weird when his grandpa said that, like, I feel like it was like a wink, like, I'll come back tomorrow and fuck you. <laughs> just like, all right, man. Well, yeah, they did set it up in the book as, like, code for, like, I love you in a romantic, yeah. sexual way. Like, I want to get in there, yeah. <laughs> well, I think it still works hole. as saying I love you. But you're mixing what? two different types of I love you, you know? Yeah. It, yeah. He's talking brotherly love. Um, I do another thing that I channel all the time and I'm glad I watched this movie because I remembered what it was, but, um, when Peter Falk's done, I don't know why they just let the cameras roll as he says like, okay, 
all right like 20 times <laughs> as he's gathering himself uh but i say that like every time i'm in that situation i feel like that was just the actor like getting up to go home or something he was like checking like all his pockets like 60 <laughs> times and he was like okay all right <laughs> yeah uh I love uh, how he's just Columbo in this movie too. Yeah, he really is. Like, oh, always sorry there. Oops. Oops. He's pretending to be stupid the whole time. Yeah. Columbo's a good do you do you ever see Columbo? I've watched I've watched the first episode. It's so good. But Dude, he's I, really good. I used to, he used to be on like USA or something, so if I was home from school I'd sometimes see it. And it was just like really that and murder she wrote, just all those murder mystery. Yeah, I would watch more of Columbo, but they're all like an hour and a half long every episode. It's like, <laughs> really? Jesus, I can't do this. Yeah. Damn. But they were streaming somewhere. And yeah, the um, the one I saw was super good. We'll have to do Columbo on the next podcast. The entire mm-hmm. series of Columbo. <laughs> yeah. So, Eth, I mean, did watching it change anything or had you seen it so much that it was kind of just going through it again? Didn't didn't change anything. I can't remember the last time I watched it. It'd been a while probably, but it it brought it back up into like, oh yeah, this is like one of my favorite movies ever. Like like you were saying, this is probably one of the movies I've watched more than any other movie. Like this and Christmas story. So Yeah. I mean it also rewatching it helped to cement the idea that it you know, it actually is a really good movie. It's not just like nostalgia telling me it's good. It's like really it's really tight. I love it. Yeah, it's just really good dialogue, and it is funny, but in a way that's like neither annoying nor like too snarky, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, like I said, yeah, it toes that line really well. Kuji, what did uh, any other thoughts? Do you, now that you get all the quotes and all the jokes, <laughs> I love it. Again, I mean, I might have to watch it a couple more times to <laughs> to really like, you know feel okay using those quotes because i don't want to co-op you know something i'm not a part of so <laughs> i think but you're in the club now am i one time Dude, i was one and a half i mean I you recorded a podcast about just it. because uh after seeing it i realized that you know i have a five-year-old little girl and i was like oh you've never seen it i just watched it probably you know a year or two with my older kids because I was like, oh, that's one of those movies they haven't seen yet. It's going to be great. And I'm like, oh, she's probably old enough to enjoy it now. So I was going to watch it again like like yesterday, and I just didn't. Hmm. Did you ever consider naming your kids Inigo Montoya? Uh, <laughs> it's a fucking great name. It's just so good. Buttercup. Oh. <laughs> Buttercup is definitely a solid. <laughs> I like that Count Rugen's name is uh, Tyrone. Uh, <laughs> Tyrone Rugen. Hmm. Yeah, good name. Is that really his name? Is it really Tyrone? Yeah, he mentions it just once. His name is Tyrone Rugen. <laughs> the first white Tyrone ever. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I mean, I definitely find different things about it funny now, but a lot of the same things also. The whole, you know, dream of large women, I think, used to bring <laughs> the house down when I was a kid. I thought that was mm. the funniest thing in the world. Uh, still pretty funny, though. Yeah, it's okay. <laughs> so, the... I, I, when I was watching this, I was also thinking, like, man, that no one's been able to really do this kind of comedy fantasy mashup well since, as far as I can remember. Uh, like Stardust was seemed to be similar to it. Stardust? Yeah, I've never seen that. I don't even know what that is. It's uh, it's a movie based on like a Neil Gaiman story or book. 
Um, and it's kind of, I mean, if you watch it, it does run the same line of like being kind of quirky, but not quite to the point of parody, just kind of to the point of subversive, like silliness. Yeah. It's not as good as but it's, I mean, I've never heard of it. It's it's a fantasy and it is also kind of, uh, it's kind of one of those like make it up as it goes along sounding fantasies. Yeah. They're pretty good though. Okay. We should have done that with this. We should have uh, point counterpointed them or whatever. Wait, Ethan, how about uh, uh, Black Knight with uh, Martin Lawrence? I feel like that's <laughs> basically the same movie. I, yeah, I was trying. I don't know. Does Bill and Ted's account? Oh, so that counts no. the same. No. I mean, that princess is no. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's like a funny take on like. Now, there's a lot of good 80s fantasy, but not a lot that was also comedy. I actually can't think of any that was also comedy. There's, like, never-ending yeah. story, like you said. There's, like, a mm-hmm. Lady Hawk. Um, yeah, I was but, thinking, like, Robin Hood Men Tights, I guess. Is oh, maybe there you the, go. The best what was that attempt. one? Not... That's full-on parody, though. Yeah, that's true. What's the I one that's, different. that's not never-ending story, but it's about, like, a bunch of books that are coming to life? Like Page Master? Mm. Page Master. That's what it was. That's what it was. Whoa. Damn, I forgot about that. <laughs> I've never seen that movie. Isn't it like part cartoon or something? It's weird, yeah. It's like Yeah. Another movie that's like books or TV of old times. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. a lot of anti movie movies. <laughs> yeah. Fucking pro book agenda. But yeah, I I would say watch uh watch Stardust. It's pretty good. It's it's kinda of funny and also uh you know. Okay. Fantasy like, and Robin Williams is in it. Oh yeah. Oh, so he can take the uh, Billy Crystal role of <laughs> going way over the top, <laughs> um, e- eating yeah, up an yeah, entire he, scene. He <laughs> um, oh. he's in it. Michelle Pfeiffer's in it. I'm trying to think about Claire oh. Danes. Can't think of wow. who else was in it. I want to see this movie. Yeah, just like this movie. Yeah, I don't know why it wasn't a big hit, but it it, it rides the same exact line as this. I think in terms of its tone. Um, yeah. Is it about like aliens though, or something? No, it's like it's the girl is like a star, but it like she falls to earth, but she used to be a star or something. But uh, mm, I'm remembering something, yeah. And there's like witches involved in it and stuff. So no, it's not like space themed. It's like there's so many people in this movie. Whatever. I'm just looking it up. <laughs> Robert De Niro's in it. Ricky yeah. Ricky Gervais is in it. <laughs> what? I forgot Ricky Gervais. I don't know who he plays. Maybe he plays a voice. Ricky Gervais is. I'll tell you in a second. He's Ferdinand a... Ferdy the Fence. <laughs> what? Oh. See, I don't remember most of this movie. Yeah, he plays so a he plays a fence. Those. So, a fence. Is this two thousand seven. Says he's the the fence. Yeah. Huh. Oh no, it's just a weird. Anyway, a fence is just a weird British term for something. All right. Narration by Ian McKellen. All wow. right. Well, let's wrap this up. <laughs> All right. So going into fucking Stardust. Uh, Ethan, Stardust. we got any corrections? Yeah, we got um yeah, we got corrections. I guess there would be considered corrections. Uh just want to clarify again the all the Affleck Casey Affleck uh sexual abuse al- accusations. They were widely reported before the Golden Globes. I guess we said maybe differently. Um, yeah, we said they we weren't sure if they were ahead of the Golden Globes or not. So they were reported they were, before they the were Globes. They were way ahead of the Golden Globes. Uh, <laughs> And even before the nominations were announced, oh jeez. But uh, but also no, not wait, not before I wrote the Glamour review. Yeah, it was it was way before. It was like a month before. It was before. It was after. Yeah, no, it was before. Really? 
Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I was looking at it. Well, I didn't read I them mean, yet. Yeah, I assume you didn't know them. Yeah, sure. Whatever. <laughs> um, I don't know. I, I don't know what this would be considered, but I thought it would be a good idea for the Oscars to have the previous year winner of an award give it to the next person. Kind of like they fun. do with the Masters. And I also said they should only have the one award, kind of like the Stanley Cup. Wait, so there's only one so Oscar you... award for like best <laughs> for every everything category. in the movie? You win Oscar. Wait, wait, no, like for, for like, it's like best actor, there's an Oscar, so you pass Welcome it along. back to the Oscar. <laughs> oh, so the trophy itself is passed along, not the Yeah, categories. like the Stanley Cup. Oh, okay. Stop saying There's that. only one Stanley Cup. <laughs> we all know that, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you'd you'd put the names of the previous winners on it too, so it'd get like bigger every year. <laughs> yeah, that'd be kind of funny. Yeah, I guess. Probably the uh, company that that makes those statues wouldn't want to do that because they'd be out of a job. Yeah, you got it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. They should be out of a job anyway. Uh, <laughs> and then lastly, while I was watching it, uh, and the whole Warren Beatty thing went down, I told my friend and you know listener of the pod Ray that we shouldn't feel sorry for Warren Beatty because he is a Trump supporter. And I guess Oof. I just assume that because he's old and white, but um, <laughs> no, he's a Democrat. Like John Voight? Yeah, he's not John Voight. That's the correction. Okay. You didn't... So good on you, uh, Warren Beatty. We should watch fucking Dick Tracy or like any Warren Beatty movie. Mm. He was like so huge and then suddenly wasn't like in anything. Mm-hmm. What happened? Did Madonna fuck him up? Did he bang Madonna? I thought they were married for a while. What? After uh, that would definitely fuck you up. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Uh, Hardest men. Are we gonna do that? Oh fuck me! Oh shit! Yeah, you gotta do that, right, guys? Hardest men is definitely Inigo Montoya. Yeah, that's a good one. No, I. (laughs) Well, I have a different one. (laughs) (laughs) What is it? I went with Count Rugen watching that guy get milked. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> See, Yours is always an, so an erect, an erect uh, interpretation of the hardest man. I, I wrote that down also. This is the first time I realized that. They're always, <laughs> it's always when the guys are getting a boner. Also, him and yeah. the prince were totally banging. Oh, you think they were banging? They were so gay for each other. There was definitely like a little like, gay undertone for sure. Yeah, yeah it was a little, yeah, a little yeah. something going on. A little, a little bit eating, eating ass at least. Yeah. Got them six fingers, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, he he was the six time fingered man. Ooh. <laughs> uh, did you have one? Uh, what's yours, Cooch? Gotta go with Andre the Giant. He's hard all around. Yeah. You see him? They try to push him over. Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> hey, catch me! Yep. <laughs> yeah, he's got everything. Look, I found horses. Look, I'm homeless in Greenland. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Fighting off multiple men at once. He said he could take 10 yeah, conservatively. 10? Yeah. Yeah, 10 at once. Yeah. God damn it. I wish we'd gotten to see that. Mm. There is um, shout outs to Bill Simmons. They're doing a Under the Giant documentary on HBO. Really excited oh, for that. That will be boss. Under mm-hmm. the Giant's so fucking cool. He's he is the all star of this movie. It would definitely be much lesser film with. Apparently, Liam that- Neeson uh, auditioned. And they scoffed because he's only six four. How terrible Dang. would that be? <laughs> I mean, yeah, he really takes the movie up a notch. Under the giant, yeah. How much percentage does he add? Ooh, 
I mean, he's got to be like in the high 80s. <laughs> it's just like if he's in a movie, I'm basically going to watch it unless it looks like utter dog shit. Well, I got I got something else too. To yeah. go to go back to the the Bad popular beginning. popular football trivia during movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, after the Bucks won, we didn't see any kids with like Warren Sapp like posters on their walls <laughs> in Tampa Bay with movies. That should have been a movie, right? Like the Punisher. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the Punisher, Punisher was in Tampa. <laughs> Only movie well, filmed. In Tampa. I mean, there is the the case um, that like Chicago is just like a popular movie city. Like they don't yeah. cast many movies in. Like I was thinking, we were doing Manchester by the Sea. Like New England has such a bias in movies. Like it's the place where like real life happens but mm. no one does movies in like new mexico right it's like it's like a Another weird set like bad. if you want to do like an indie movie where like the family's weird you could set it in like idaho or something but otherwise you can and what's funny is like you think that's oh maybe because it's just like such a great setting for the movie but like in reality it's probably just because that city has great tax breaks for movies it's <laughs> yeah, just it's like coincidental really <laughs> yeah I mean, that's why, like, Atlanta's blowing up right now, because they've got really great incentives for moviegoers. Mm. If I see Made in Georgia on, like, one more thing, I swear to God. Made in Georgia. Have you seen that? (laughs) Fucking Peach. No. What is that? It's like, I don't know, it's like a random thing after, like, random shows. Uh, Maybe it's it's specific to Adult Swim, because they're based in Atlanta. But there's, like, a big, I don't know, it's like a campaign thing, I guess. Like, hey, mm-hmm. make stuff in Georgia. It's cool because no one wants to do it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Fuck Georgia. That's your fuck you to Georgia. Yeah, man. That's it's... your fuck you. for. Yeah, I don't think we have any fuck yous. Oh, I have a fuck you. How about to uh, Casey Affleck for winning Best Actor? <laughs> That's a good one. For everyone who voted for him. Yeah, and Mel Gibson for getting too much FaceTime <laughs> on the Oscars. <laughs> Yeah, just fuck the Oscars generally. How about that? Fuck the Oscars. Next That's year we won't good... even do them. Yeah, fuck the Oscars. That wasn't even fun to do those. <laughs> yeah, it really wasn't. Is... It was like our most boring <laughs> podcast possible. The Lion one was good, but that was mostly because of yeah, the Cat ones where we had guests. <laughs> yeah, but even like um like Frankie's a really fun guest, but I don't think we had that fun of a time talking about whatever movies we talked about with him. Yeah, you know, oh like, Hacksaw Ridge. Yeah, we weren't we weren't laughing at Lion. We were just kind of like. Hmm. Pretty bad movie. La La Lion. Anyway, mm. Kuji, you're still our favorite guest, Buddy Rue. Oh, thanks. Yeah, man. Got that number one spot. Yeah, so anytime uh, we'll do another one. Ethan, next time we do one of these, uh, I want you to go through it because I feel like I'm fucking terrible at like going through the plots. <laughs> <laughs> or or we can do the next one just... Uh, you know what we should do? We should do one of the three of us and we, we pass it off. And but none of us take notes, so you just kind of we pass it on. Yeah. So what's the next like scene? A, like you just have to try uh, to remember what the next scene was, and then you just have to cut off the like long pauses of silence. <laughs> <we're just sitting laughs> thinking. We could just chant That's asshole, fine. asshole, asshole, asshole. <laughs> it sounds like a fun drinking game. <laughs> um, all right. Well, that's gonna do us for today. Uh, Follow us on Twitter at Hardman to Please. We've just the tweets light up constantly. With thousands of followers yeah. join the club. Follow us on. Yeah, it's blown up. On uh, I just said on Twitter, but uh, subscribe <laughs> on Stitcher or iTunes. 
And uh, send us some mail at uh, hardmentalpolice at gmail.com. Or send it directly to Jared's <laughs> house. His address <laughs> is nice. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. I'm satisfied. I'm satisfied, too. That's the only way I can do sa- be satisfied is by doing it like Danny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, with three men right. on. We love you, listener. Good night. Bye. Good night.